Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Claudia Winkleman, and this is Business Unusual, brought to you by Vodafone Business. This week I saw a quote from the philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer. He once wrote, talent hits a target no one else can hit, genius hits a target no one else can see. And I think this summarises my brilliant guests on this podcast perfectly. They are out there imagining the unimagined and achieving things that no one else has even thought of yet. My business genius for this episode is Tessa Clark, co-founder of an app called Olio, which is tackling the huge problem of food waste. Olio provides a platform for neighbours and businesses to share surplus, and they've recently celebrated the landmark of 2 million Olio users internationally. Let's find out how they did it. Huge welcome to Tessa. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. I've said it's two million and one. I've just joined. It's completely <laughs> thrilling. For those listening, if they go, wait, what? Who? Pardon? Neighbours? <laughs> food waste? Can you just explain what Olio does? Yes. So Olio is an app that connects you with your neighbours to give away any surplus food or other household items that you might have that you don't want. You don't want to throw away. Um, and it really makes sense to give to a neighbour instead. So how it works is you just snap a photo and add your item to the app. Neighbours get an alert, letting them know something new has been added near them. They can re- then request what they want and pop round and pick it up. Tessa, how did the idea come about? So it happened about five and a half years ago now. Yeah. I was living in Switzerland, moving back to the UK. And on moving day, the removal men said I had to throw away all of our uneaten food. Now, I'm a farmer's daughter, so I had a well-spent or misspent, depending on how you look at it, childhood, working incredibly hard to produce food. So as a result of that, I have a pathological hatred for food waste. So clearly, I was not prepared to throw this food away. Uh, And much the irritation of the packing men, I stopped packing, bundled up my newborn baby and my toddler, and set out into the streets to try and find someone to give this food to. And to cut a long story short, I failed miserably and went back into my apartment, and I sort of quite stubborn person. I wasn't to be defeated. So when the packing men weren't looking, I kind of smuggled the non-perishable food into the bottom of my boxes. And that was the point in time when I thought, this is just crazy. Surely there must be a better way than uh, having to do this. And that was when the idea of Olio came about. And anybody who's listening going, oh, but I don't have seven organic chickens to give away. (laughs) It it, It doesn't have to be. What's so wonderful is it can be small, can't it? It, it absolutely can. So we have had people share a single lemon on Olio and it gets requested and picked up. People can add things that are fresh, that are home cooked, but also things that have been opened, perhaps a packet. Maybe you live alone and you've got a big bag of carrots or something like that and you don't want to eat all of them. Perhaps you've got 
tins or dried goods that are sort of lurking in the back of your cupboards, you're really not going to get around to using up or eating. So the only rule we have is that you can't add food after it's used by date because a used by date is a health and safety date. But everything else, uh, we say that if you would eat it, then please do go ahead and share it with a neighbour. So take us back to 2015. You're leaving Switzerland, you have a baby and a toddler and you don't want to throw some cheese in the bin. How (laughs) did that become, like all of us, but how did that become this huge global business? Where, Where did you go from there? Yeah, it's sort of really remarkable, actually. My, my life was on a, a fairly sort of mainstream sort of career and path. And then this just seeming inconsequential moment just pivoted the whole of the rest of my life onto this new sort of um, trajectory and direction. And how it happened was because I was uh, working with one of my very best friends. Um, she's called Sasha. And we'd met at business school about 10 or 15 years before. And we were both sort of wanting to do something different and more impactful and purposeful with our lives. Yeah. And we were working on one idea and we'd actually been working on it for about a month. And we very sadly one evening realized that that just wasn't going to work. And I went upstairs, I put my baby down to bed and then I came back downstairs and I said to her, I said, Sasha, I've had this other idea. It's really crazy, but it's this app that connects neighbors to share food. And she immediately got it because her parents are sort of hippies from the Midwest of Iowa. Um, Can we share at this point... Sasha's surname. Yes. Because it might be the I, can, I, just, yes. I don't I don't I know we've gone off piste, but it is extraordinary. <laughs> it is. So her, her surname is Sasha Celestial One. Yeah. And we have fun signing into offices and, and watching reception <laughs> staff sort of do a double yeah. take each time without fail. So she was brought up by hippies in Midwest in Iowa. And sort of like me, we both had fairly unconventional upbringings and we went off to have fairly classic corporate careers, but sort of scratch an inch beneath the surface and the inner hippie is in there. So I told her about this idea of an app that connects neighbours to share food and she immediately got it. The first thing that we did was research the problem of food waste to find out if my experience was in any way sort of typical or not. And what we discovered absolutely stunned and horrified us. So globally, a third of all the food we produce each year gets thrown away, which is worth over a trillion US dollars. Alongside that, we have unconscionable levels of hunger. So we have 800 million people who go to bed hungry every night, which is one in nine of us. And they could be fed on a quarter of the food that we waste in the Western world. And it's also easy when we're talking about hunger sometimes to assume that it's something that takes place somewhere else. And sadly, what we've discovered on our journey with Olio is that it is alive and kicking here in the UK. So we have over 8 million people living in food poverty in the UK, which is equivalent to the population of London. So we discovered that we've got widespread waste, we've got widespread hunger. And then the real shocker was to discover that in a country like the UK, well over half of all food waste takes place in the home. And actually, only 2% of food waste takes place at a retail store level. And so that was just such an incredibly sobering moment. That's an extraordinary statistic. Yeah, it's us. Yeah, it's us. And it was just horrifying to discover that. And it took quite a long time to be able to get our heads around that. Like, it was so counterintuitive to think, how can we be this problem? Surely it's the supermarkets. We spent a lot of time thinking about this and unpicking it. And it's actually really simple maths. There's 28 million households in the UK that throw away just under a quarter of the weekly shop Goodness. in comparison to ten or 15,000 supermarkets that throw away perhaps half a percentage point. And what are we doing wrong? Do we overorder or do we... There's a whole variety of reasons why we end up throwing away 
food. So, I, And I think a lot of it, um, so first of all, I should say that nobody enjoys throwing away food. Yeah. When you talk to most people, they agree that it's not a good thing. They dislike it. And that makes sense. We've actually evolved to be such a successful species because we have uniquely shared yeah. our most precious resource, which is our food. So it's kind of baked into our DNA to want to share and to dislike food waste. But there's something weird that's happened in modern life in the past sort of 30, 40, 50 years that has meant that for the first time in history, we are wasting food. And, and I think the reason for that is in large part because we've moved away from our local communities. We don't have anyone to give our food to. Yeah, We don't know our neighbours anymore. And then sort of combined with the fact that we've got date labelling, which is confusing. It's very natural to over-cater when you have events. It's very natural to give people food as gifts that they might not want. All these things make it really hard to not have too much food in your home. But also it's so true that most of us, I think those listening, love feeding people. Yes. So therefore love sharing. There is nothing I like more than making an enormous pie for 900, not 900, I mean eight, you know, family members. So (laughs) it's a lovely thing. People must be addicted to this app in terms of they're not wasting, but more than that, they're giving, they're sharing. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. So A lot of people join earlier and they say they join it because they hate food waste. But then the minute they've actually used the app, all they talk about is this oleo feeling that you get when you give this something that is of value, that is delicious, that is life-giving. There's all those wonderful things. And you're giving that to someone else with no strings attached, sort of for free. And it does feel amazing. But ironically, sort of our biggest challenge actually as a business is encouraging more people to give. So funnily enough, most people, when they look at oleo, they assume that our challenge must be getting people to pick up free food. They think, oh, really? You know, will anyone really want to pick up X, Y, or Z? And the reality is there's no shortage of people who want to pick up, pop out the house and pick up some free food from a neighbor. And actually half of all the food added to the app is requested in under one hour. Wow. So a much bigger challenge is to encourage, for example, all of your listeners to take that leap of faith and to try adding something to the app. How, if you don't mind me asking, because it's not obvious, but I am thick, how is this then monetized? You are not thick at all. And that's an extremely valid question. So at the moment, we monetize Olio through the service that we provide to businesses. So we found ourselves in the early days with this real sort of chicken and egg conundrum, which was that our early adopters hated food waste. Therefore, they didn't generate any food waste, so they had nothing to share. Yes. And obviously, a food sharing app with no food is is pretty useless. And then in parallel to that, in the early days, we had worked with a number of local businesses like bakeries and cafes in the hope that they would use the Olio app themselves to share their unsold food at the end of the day, bring extra customers into the store, etc. But what we found was that those businesses were just so focused on the day-to-day operations that they didn't have the time to use the app. And so what we did was we kind of solved this conundrum by taking the people who have time but no food waste and matching up with the businesses that have lots of food waste but no time. And we created our Food Waste Heroes program. And so we've now got eight and a half thousand trained volunteers all across the country. It's brilliant. And every single day uh, they are going out of their homes, popping across the road, going to their local supermarket, cafe or bakery. They're picking up the unsold food. They're taking it home, adding it to the app. Within minutes, the neighbours are requesting it. Minutes later, the neighbours are popping around to pick it up. And so that food goes from one to two hours earlier, being potentially a waste stream in the store, to instead, thanks to Olio and and the volunteers, being fully redistributed into the community. And so businesses are paying us to enable them to have zero food waste stores because previously they were paying a waste contractor to take that food off to landfill or perhaps at best anaerobic digestion. 
those heroes are everything, aren't they? They must feel wonderful about it as well. But it's yes. it's a lot to sign up for. I believe when you sign up, because I think I will, um, <laughs> you can say how many hours you want to do. So you can choose how much of a hero you want to be, whether you want a full <laughs> cape or just a small badge. Any form of heroing works for us and is wonderful. Yes, so you can either sort of sign up for a regular collection slot or you can be sort of on the bench, so to speak, which is sort of ready to dive into action when an opportunity comes available. But our Food Waste Heroes tell us it is an incredibly fulfilling role. So first of all, it's quite convenient. I.e., It's based sort of around your home and your local community. Yeah. Uh, and then, again, they say it just feels amazing. First of all, you get to pick up that food and you think... Oh, wow, if it wasn't for me, that beautiful food would have gone into the bin. And then you get to give out that food. You're almost like a sort of Father Christmas in your local community, giving out that food for free to your neighbours, all of whom want it. And and sadly, in this day day and age, some of whom actually need it. Uh, And so all of our food waste heroes pretty much can recount a story of someone saying, thank you. If if it wasn't for you, my children wouldn't have eaten tonight. Um, And that's immediately, you know, it kind of brings tears <laughs> to us just thinking about it. So it's incredibly fulfilling. And we do also allow um, them to keep up to 10% of what they collect as a thank you if they would like. And obviously for some of our volunteers, that's a really important part of the volunteering as well. Of course, yeah. How did you get the word out there? Because once you hear it, you're like, yes. But when you were at the beginning going, guys, food waste app, <laughs> who's on? Did everyone go, Tessa, yeah. will you just have a sit down or something? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly everyone thought that we were crazy for quite some time. So in the very, very earliest of days, Sasha and I spent a summer sort of quite literally pounding the pavements of North London with my sort of baby strapped to me um, and her little boy with her, handing out leaflets and flyers and free food and getting people to sign up before we announced the launch of the app. So that way we managed to get, um, I think it was just under two and a half thousand people, email addresses, so that they were ready and waiting for the day when the app launched. But even before we did that, actually, we wanted to test whether this sort of crazy idea would even work or not. And we wanted to do that without investing our life savings building an app that potentially no one would use. And we sort of thought, well, how can we de-risk this? How can we test that people are happy to pick up food or to give food to essentially a stranger who lives in their community? And so what we did was we invited 12 people who'd participated in an online market research survey we'd done, who all lived in proximity to one another, but didn't know one another. And we asked them to take part in this experiment. And we put them onto a closed WhatsApp group for two weeks. And we said, hey, here's a group of people who, if you have any spare food, they're ready and willing to come and pick it up. And we sort of waited with baiting breath. And thank goodness, after about 24 hours, the first sharing did actually take place, which was just amazing. And... After that two weeks was up, we then, Sasha and I then met with all these 12 wonderful people for the first time face-to-face in sort of coffee shops all over Crouch End and Finsbury Park where we did it. And they gave us sort of feedback. And the three really important pieces of feedback they gave us was, one, you have to build this app. Two, it only has to be slightly better than a WhatsApp group. And three, how can I help? And they became our initial ambassadors. So there were kind of 12 of them. So this is a long roundabout way of answering your question of sort of how did we get the word out there? Um, that really was the genesis of our ambassador program. And so Olio has grown really very much thanks to our ambassadors. We now have over 50,000 people who've reached out to offer to help spread the word about Olio in their local community. And so some of our ambassadors are doing that purely digitally and online, and some of them are doing it with 
physical marketing materials, so posters and letters and flyers that we either send to them or they can download. And it's really thanks to that ambassador program that we've seen Olio grow not only across the UK, but also internationally. And so now, as you say, we've just passed the milestone of 2 million people having joined us, uh, but a quarter of those people are outside of the UK and a quarter of the sharing every week is also outside of the UK. And again, that's just thanks to passionate people in their local communities saying, I want this to work. I want to make a difference. And they're doing a fabulous job. Also, once you start, I'm already excited. I'm thinking about what's in my (laughs) fridge that I'm not going to feed my kids just in case somebody else wants it. It it must become totally addictive. How have you survived during COVID-19? What has that meant for the business? Well, it has been... um a bit of a, a crazy time, sort of, you know, personally, professionally, like, like everybody else. Um, in the first 24, 48 hours, when it was clear that lockdown was happening, it was really, really uncertain as to whether a neighbour-to-neighbour food sharing app could continue to exist or not. But we worked during that time very closely with our food safety lawyer, with our environmental health officer, and also listened to our community. And it really quickly became clear that actually we had a responsibility to make sure that Olio continued to operate during COVID-19, in particular because many of our users were telling us that Olio was a lifeline for them in when there was, you know, it was hard to come by food on the supermarket shelves or if people were isolating, yeah. it was just an easy way for Olio to kind of step into that breach there. And so what we did was we made it that all pickups needed to be no contact. And so what that means is that the person who is giving something away just pops it outside a few moments yeah. before the person who is due to pick it up comes by. So we very quickly moved to that no contact model. And then for the first of two weeks, we had a drop off of about 20 or 25% in the amount of sharing that was happening. But then from that moment onwards, Olio has taken off in a way that we've been dreaming of for five years, if if I'm really honest. And that's for a number of reasons. So I think, first of all, we are recognizing collectively how important food is. Yeah. I think you only need to see a few photographs of empty supermarket shelves to make you realize that perhaps we've been taking food for granted yeah. and, and sort of throwing it away when we shouldn't. And it is so precious. You know, the market research shows that people are valuing food more and they're wasting food less. And then the other sort of equally powerful, if not more powerful force is I think we've realized that we are stronger and more powerful together and that we need our local communities and our local communities need us. So as a result of that, I was just sort of uh, on my run this morning, marveling on the fact that it took us sort of five years to get to 100,000 sort of listings coming onto the app each month. Then in the last sort of five weeks, we've grown by that much. So we have achieved in sort of five weeks what, what took us five years. It's a really exciting time for us. And... Yeah, we're sort of encouraging as many people as possible really to get involved and to start sharing. I should also say that our Food Waste Heroes have been particularly busy during this time as well. I bet. Not only supporting our supermarket clients, but in the early days when all the stores were closing, there were enormous amounts of food at risk of going to waste. And so we had about 600 Food Waste Heroes spring into action and they saved over 70 tons of food Gosh. and obviously that played a really invaluable role in particular in the early days uh, when there was uh, you know a few kind of shortages of food going around. Of course on the subject I love that hearing about numbers 70 tons did you say? Yes. Um, yeah. Do you know how much food has been rescued? Do you have any other figures? I do. Go oh, here, yeah, go on. I love it. Yes I do. <laughs> That's really sort of one of the things that keeps us all incredibly motivated. So to date 
oleoers have shared over 5 million portions of food. Wow. And the environmental impact of that is equivalent to taking 15 million car miles off the road. And also we have saved, as a result of sharing that food, three quarters of a billion litres of water. Oh my goodness. What's so exciting is that we are genuinely doing 0.01% of our full potential. And look at that impact we're having, certainly environmentally. We've also facilitated just under 2 million sort of unique neighbour-to-neighbour connections. And so Olio is just a really great way to help people connect with their local community, feel empowered, feel like they belong, feel safer because they actually know who their neighbours are. Absolutely. It feels like it has grown very fast, but as you mentioned, especially in the last, let's say, five weeks, what challenges does that, or do do you guys think, we can do it, we've got our ambassadors, we've got our (laughs) heroes, let's go, or do you sometimes go, this is too much? Um, So it is very funny because we have spent the past of, you know, Sasha and I have been doing this for five years now, and it has felt so often that we're just pushing this enormous boulder up a hill. And now it feels like, oh, maybe it's sort of going down the other side and and we're actually maybe the boulder's now sort of coming towards us. And so it does create a whole new set of challenges, one of which just kind of on a very practical level is around our our servers. And so the amount of activity that's happening on the Olio app is now sort of increasing exponentially. And so it's like, oh, gosh, okay, wow. Um, We need to sort of move quickly and respond to that. So we have had a couple of periods where the app is too slow. And that's really, really frustrating. So we're working incredibly sort of fast behind the scenes to um, try and sort of fix that and sort it out. Um, but generally, we're, we're all kind of, we're super excited and invigorated um, by the growth and we're sort of in go, go, go mode. We'll get back to Tessa Clark in just one moment. But before that, I wanted to share with you a very exciting new gadget that Vodafone has helped to develop to keep your business connecting. Vodafone, working in partnership with Digital Barriers, has launched a heat detection camera solution. It's a useful tool that could help to support the goals of UK organisations in moving back to the workplace. The new solution delivers real-time body heat screening, accurate to 0.3 degrees Celsius. It takes less than half a second to screen each individual's body heat and can screen eight people at once. This means that 100 people can be screened every minute. The heat detection camera is part of Vodafone UK's enhanced smart vision portfolio. It comes complete with a laptop and tablet, full installation and 24-7 dedicated service. This service monitors the system infrastructure and field engineers will be sent if a camera fails. The heat detection camera is available on a 12-month term at 1,711, excluding VAT, per month. Other pricing models are available. With the heat detection camera, Vodafone is helping UK businesses to move back into the workplace, helping businesses to reassure staff and customers. So you keep connecting with Vodafone. Search Vodafone heat detection camera for more information. Are you naturally tech savvy and what is technology? It does everything for your business, really, doesn't it? But tell me the different areas of tech that have helped. Yeah, so would I describe myself as tech savvy? Probably not, actually, if I'm being really honest. Um, But I have worked in the world of digital for the past 15 years now. So I'm really intrigued less by sort of the deep technology but more by what technology coupled with human ingenuity and human passion can do and unlock and achieve. 
taking Olio, for example, it has long frustrated me, the insanity of the fact that we kind of live all in our little boxes, stacked on top of one another, yeah. one household wasting, another household desperately wanting something, we've never been connected. And so I kind of see technology more as a means to an end, and the end that I want is just a more equitable, more enjoyable, fairer, better society. Yes. Um, and so I see technology really as an enabler. But Olio clearly could not exist were it not for the technology. Uh, we're using sort of technology and algorithms to kind of help connect people up to make sure that the right people see the right listings. So yeah, technology is absolutely integral to everything we do, but it's a means to an end, not an end in, in and of itself. Exactly. I'm really interested in what it was like for two women <laughs> to be in charge of this company, because I think I read somewhere you said there's a lot of no's. There's a lot of, oh, yeah. two, two ladies have had an idea. You're like, yeah, with their little project. <laughs> yeah, look at them. <laughs> with them. Yes. Uh, d- did you come across that? Yes. I, I, w- I would love to say no, but the reality is yes. I think the area, not I think, I know, the area where it has been most challenging and therefore most frustrating has been in fundraising. Yeah. So whilst Olio is generating revenues through our Food Waste Heroes program, as I've outlined, that is not enough to cover our operating costs. And so we have had to raise financing, as do most tech startups that are in the sort of marketplace yeah. slash um, sort of social media space. But being a female-founded business, it doesn't take long to come across the stats and you discover that in the UK, 1% of all venture capital funding goes to female-founded businesses. Wow. 89% goes to male-founded businesses and, and the Delta goes to mixed teams. So that's pretty um, Damning. depressing yeah. uh, data to be sort of going up against. And I think a big part of the reason for that is that there is not nearly enough diversity amongst what I call sort of the gatekeepers of capital. So the people who are making a decision as to what businesses and what startups get investment and they don't. And so our business is run by women. It is predominantly, although not exclusively, for women. So roughly three quarters of our user base is female. And so we will be pitching to invariably a male VC who just can't quite relate to this problem that we are describing, can't quite get excited by it in the same way. And frustratingly, we'll say, oh, I have to talk to my wife about this, (laughs) which is really annoying because our target market is not a VC's wife. So yes, that's that's very challenging. And and it would be remiss of me also, uh, whilst talking about the lack of diversity in the VC community, we're sort of in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement. And it'd be remiss of me to say that founders of all diverse origins, uh, whether it be sort of ethnicity um, or gender or sexuality, all um, face this similar challenge with a lack of access to capital. And why it really frustrates me is because having spent 15 years in the corporate world, where at the senior levels I saw very little diversity, I now move into the world that's trying to make the planet a better place, that is truly solving the largest problems facing humanity today. And I'm stunned at the diversity of those founders. And for too long, we've had businesses that are being funded that are solving the problems for the 1%. And actually, we've got this new generation of founders who are incredibly diverse, who are busy solving the problems for the 99%. And the problem is they're just not getting access to the capital that they need. So I'll step down off of my soapbox no, now, but I'm you so can tell it's something that I feel I feel very passionately I feel very passionately about because we're we're shortchanging not just those founders we are shortchanging humanity. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a really serious issue. What is then your advice to others who want to build a business who are listening, going, I've got an idea, 
but maybe were too embarrassed to say it out loud or thought, no, 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 I'll just stick with this job. How do you give them fire in their belly? So I would say a couple of things. Um, So the first thing I would say is, and in no particular order, one, see if you can find a co-founder and co-conspirator. Because if I'm being really honest with myself, I probably wouldn't have had the courage, the conviction, the self-belief to launch Olio by myself. But the minute I was doing it with someone else, with Sasha, it felt achievable and it felt possible. Also, all the data shows that businesses that are are founded with between two and four founders are sort of most likely to be successful. So it doesn't mean to say, by the way, if you're a solo founder that you can't do it, but I think it's in many ways a lot easier if you've picked the right co-founder. So that would be sort of advice number one. Um, Advice number two is this idea that you have Actually, I'd, I'd encourage you to step away from the idea that you have. I'd encourage you to think about the problem that you are solving uh-huh. because how you're solving that problem will have to iterate over time. So is this problem that you want to solve, is this your calling? Is this the reason why you have been put on this earth? And is that the problem that you want to spend the next 10 plus years obsessing about 24-7? Um, and that's a really high bar for a problem to pass, but I think it's really, really important because the journey of setting something up is um, exhausting in many ways. It's incredibly fulfilling, but it is exhausting. So it has to be the right problem. You have to love it. Yeah. You can't after six months go, I'm no longer interested in boots. No, exactly. Because the reality is that you are against all the odds you are willing your solution into the world. Um, And so you just have to have incredible reserves of grit and resilience. So Sasha and I could have given up a million times but we would then look at the problem that we're trying to solve and realize that we just cannot give up. Yes. That is just not an option. We've just got to find another way around it. And then the other thing I would definitely encourage is to really try and find a Well, actually to read two books. One is The Lean Startup by Eric Ries, which is all about saying kind of just don't overthink things. Just get something really small and basic out and get real user feedback runs of making stuff up within your own four walls test, iterate, and learn. And then the second book is The Mom Test, uh, which is all about how to properly validate your idea in the early days. And then the final thing I would say is to have a learning mindset. Many of your listeners might have been in a position like I was, which was working in a corporate career. And you don't realize, but when you work in a large corporate environment, you've been sort of indoctrinated to have an approach, which is that you should know the answer to everything that's within your particular domain of the business. Yes. And then when you start something new, you have to kind of throw that mindset out the window and you have to say, right, today I know nothing. Yeah. And it is now my job to every single day, as quickly as I can, learn as much as I can. Then just go for it. That is genuinely tremendous advice. So thank you. So I, I mean it because <laughs> I love that. Oh, well, it's, it's, been, it's been sort of hard-earned, hard-earned advice, um, I think. I've learned, learned the hard way through lots of uh, blood, sweat and, and tears. And final question. What is your favourite story of a collection? Or, or, I mean, when you use the app or a friend, does anybody go, you're not going to believe this, I've got a black skirt. Two fish cakes <laughs> and well, a Barry Manilow CD. I mean, that would well, be an excellent haul. Yeah. <laughs> that would. Night in, sort it. Um, I, I can honestly say that we have had 12 bottles of champagne put on the app. Um, 
goodness knows who buy. Uh, we have had caviar put on the app. We've had black truffles. So if you like all that fancy stuff, all of the above has been shared on Olio. But actually, my favorite thing about Olio is more the stories yeah. that go around it. So, for example, I met someone once who told me that she had a garden and she wasn't a keen gardener and she didn't really know what to do with it and it was kind of going to waste. And so she invited, she sort of met via Olio as that she had been sharing um, stuff with. They all came together and they have created a community garden oh, and they that. are now sort of uh, growing fruit and vegetables that they're sharing amongst themselves and then the surplus they are adding onto the app and sharing out to their broader community. And that's something that is just unbelievably exciting because I could never, Sasha and I could never have dreamt of that when we first dreamt of polio, but that is what happens when you give people sort of access to their local community. Tessa, thank you so much for letting us talk to you and enormous luck with the business. Thank you so much, Claudia. It was my pleasure. And uh, thank you to you and for Vodafone for giving me the opportunity to share our story. And enormous luck with it. And I'm now... Thank you. I mean, I'm in. And I'm, all yes. my friends will be in as well because it is word oh. of mouth. So yeah, no, we're in. Thank you so much to Tessa Clark. It is incredible what Tessa and co-founder Sasha have achieved in such a short amount of time. Olio is a great example of a very successful business model that has sustainability at its core. Go and download that app now. If you're interested in acquiring the Vodafone heat detection camera solution for your workplace, please search Vodafone heat detection camera for more information. And I am sad to say that was our final episode in this series. I have loved being part of it. And I really hope you have found it inspiring and it's given you lots of energy and ideas for growing your business. If you've missed any of our episodes, the whole series is there to listen to in the Business Unusual podcast feed. Please make sure you rate us five star if you want, no pressure, and review the podcast to help new listeners find us too. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.